Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is, We Were All Fish Once. Now, here's Bill Allman. When Jesus invited the first four guys to follow him, it's kind of an interesting story because he makes his agenda for them clear right up front. He says, I'm going to make you something. Now, if Jesus came to you and said, I'm going to make you something, what might you think that he's going to make you? Maybe he'll make you more disciplined because that would be good, you know, if we were all a little more disciplined. Or maybe he'll make you more spiritual or more holy. Or maybe he'll make you smarter because, you know, Jesus knows everything. Maybe he'll make you a better parent or a better spouse or a better tither at church or whatever. We come up with a long list of things that Jesus could make you. But he didn't say any of those things. And what he told those four first guys probably was very confusing to them. So we're going to go through this series called Go Fish, and we're going to learn what Jesus' agenda was for them, and that Jesus' agenda for them is the same agenda He has for us. It hasn't changed. And it, what His agenda is, is a little confusing. And at times we've let it be intimidating to us and been a little scary. And and depending on what kind of experiences you've had in your life at church and with different pastors and church families, it, it may be just downright frightening. And today's message is called, We Were All Fish Once. We're not talking about evolution, okay? So, we were all fish once. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark is an easy book to find. It's the second book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Well, those four books are our Gospels. Those are people that witnessed and saw things about Jesus and wrote it down. Mark is the shortest. He's a man of little words. So if you ever want to read like the Reader's Digest condensed version of the Gospel, Mark is where you start, okay? Because he, he just keeps it really short and brief. So, Mark chapter 1, let's start at verse 14 and 15. And it says, After John was put in prison, and this is John the Baptist, not John the disciple, but John the Baptist was put into prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come where? Near. Do what? Repent and believe the good news. Now, Jesus uses this word repent a little bit differently than it's been used in the Old Testament. Because a lot of times when the word repent is used in the Old Testament, it has to do with, you know, if you repent, then God will come back into the land. If you repent, then God will direct us. If, if you repent, I'll open the floodgates of heaven, right? And so all the time there was this thing, if Israel, if you repent, then God will do this. And all of a sudden, Jesus kind of uses it differently. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God is near. 
Now this is exciting news because they've been waiting for the Messiah for some 4,000 years. Right? Kids, you think it's a long time till Christmas. 4,000 years. And there have been false messiahs and fake messiahs and people we thought were going to be the Messiah. And maybe you've given up hope of the Messiah ever coming because everybody keeps saying the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, but the Messiah never comes. And Jesus says, listen, it's near. That catches their attention. Repent. Because what I want you to do is I want you to focus your attention back on God. I want you to turn your view, your gaze, your heart back to God and look to God. Because if you don't, you're going to miss something. How many of you ever see when it comes up on the news or in Facebook or something, there's going to be a meteor shower tonight? You know, and you think, oh man, that'd be fun. I'd get up at like 2 o'clock in the morning and go watch the meteor shower, right? How many of you actually do that? For one thing, if you get up around here, you can't really even see anything. There's too many city lights, right? So now i got to get up at like 11 and drive all the way out to the desert somewhere. You know, someplace where it's dark. And drive all the way back home. And my boss still wants me at work, right? So, you know, I just don't do that. I always think it'd be fun. I'd like to go watch the meteor shower. But you don't, right? Now, does the fact that I watch the meteor shower make it happen? It happens whether I watch it or not, right? It just means the people that were watching got to see it and the rest of us slept, right? We'll we'll watch the replay on, on, you know... A video somewhere, right? And that's what Jesus is kind of saying here. God's about to do something, and if you're not watching, you're going to miss it. Another example is like when you go to the beach. You go to the beach with somebody. You ever gone with somebody that always finds something when you go to the beach? They always find like a shark tooth or a shell or something, and all you get is sand everywhere, right? How come they always find something... You don't. Because they were looking for it. They were looking for it. Did the fact that they looked for it make it there? No, it was there all along. It's just that some people were in tune and were looking for it, and they found the shark's tooth or the shell or the whatever. And Jesus is preaching the sermon like this, and he's saying, Look, God's about to do something. Pay attention. You don't want to miss it. All right? Let's keep going. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, remember Simon is later renamed Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I guess Mark doesn't like want you to miss anything in case you're sitting there like, why are they throwing nets in the lake? Because they were fishermen. Okay, so just want everybody on, on board with that. And he says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, if you know the King James Version, right, and I will make you fishers of men. What? You, you want us to do what? I mean, that just doesn't even make any sense, right? I don't, I don't even know what you're 
talking about? And, and I would think that, you know, I want Jesus to come and make me more disciplined, to make me more spiritual, to make me more holy, to make me smarter, to make me a better parent. Jesus says, no, I'm going to make you a fisher of people. What? Look what happens next. At once they left their nets and followed him. I mean, that that doesn't even make sense. Right? That's like urban legend stuff you read on the internet, right? You're like, that can't be true. Who would do that? Can you imagine Peter and Andrew, they're fishing in the boat with Dad, you know, and Dad's getting ready to retire and pass the business on. And all of a sudden they say, you know, bye, got to go. Known this preacher for like five and a half minutes now, but we're, we're off with him. Who would do such a thing, right? It, it, it doesn't even hardly make sense. It just seems just unbelievable. Keep going in the story in verse 19. It says, When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with him, with the hired men, and followed him. I mean, I would be like really disappointed in my boys, you know, if we were out working in the front yard. Somebody came along and said, repent, come follow me. And they left. Right? I mean, stranger danger. Right? Why would you do such a thing? Right? I mean, this is just crazy. But the weird thing is, if you keep reading the Bible, and a few chapters later, that's exactly what has happened. They have become fishers of men. And not just these four, right? There was more disciples. And it wasn't just the disciples. There was a tax collector. There was a prostitute. There was a lady who lived with a whole bunch of, had a whole bunch of husbands and was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. There was a guy that was possessed by demons that lived in the graveyard. And they all became fishers of men. They understood what it meant to go fish for men. And it wasn't an easy journey. They made mistakes. Jesus had to reel them in. I worked hard on that. Right? There was times when they made big mistakes, right? Remember when Jesus was preaching and everybody's bringing the kids to him? Jesus is having fun with the kids, talking to the kids, telling the kids stories. And the disciples come along and go, get out of here. Jesus is like, ay, 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 ay. You guys just don't get it, right? Remember when they went to cast out the demon and the demon didn't budge? And they go back to Jesus to tell on the demon, right? Jesus, demon wouldn't budge. And Jesus said, well, did you pray? Oh, yeah, pray. Somebody write that down. we got to remember to pray. Right? I mean, they made some big mistakes. But eventually they get it and they become fishers of men because they realize that following Jesus is not just following, but to follow Jesus is to fish. You can't Follow Jesus if you don't fish. 
Now, when we became Christians, we didn't sign up for that, right? Nobody here probably, when they became Christians, said, oh, yeah, man, fish, got it. We became Christians probably for very selfish reasons, right? I remember being a kid and somebody told me, all right, eternity has two choices. You can either die and have eternal death, or you can go to heaven with Jesus in this great place. Okay, I'll choose that one. Right? That wasn't rocket science. Right? Sign me up for eternal life in the cool place. Right? That's a whole lot better. And we all became Christians for very selfish reasons, almost 100% of the time. Because we needed something. And we needed God to help us with our marriage. And that was the last thing we tried. Or we needed God to help us with an addiction. And that was the last thing we tried, right? Or we needed God to help us with something. Or maybe we just had this emptiness in our soul that we just wouldn't go away. And I needed God to help me with that. And so we all become Christians for very selfish reasons, right? And then once we're kind of on the stringer, so to speak, we realize that, hey, being a Christian is pretty cool. Jesus will do stuff for you. You can pray and ask for things, and, and sometimes you get those things. This is great, right? And so our prayers pretty quickly become... Gimme, gimme, gimme. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Protect me, protect me, protect me. Help me, help me, help me. Right? Sometimes it's, you know, give me a job. Give me a better job. I'll take even a better job. Right? Help me with my marriage. Help me with my second marriage. Help me with this boyfriend. Help me find a boyfriend. Help me get rid of this boyfriend. <laughs> right? And, and we, we begin to ask for things. And all those things are centered about us. Right? And we become Christians for very selfish reasons. See? We like following Jesus. It's just not that you get to go to heaven after you die. Now we read this story in Mark, and it almost just doesn't make sense. But fortunately, Luke gives us a little more information about it. So Luke tells us that, you know, after Jesus preaches his sermon, he tells the guys that he wants to go fishing. And they must look at him like, poor little carpenter. You just don't understand how to fish, right? You can't go fishing during the day. The only thing you catch when you go fishing during the day is sunburn, right? We've been fishing all night, and we didn't catch nothing. Jesus says, let's go fishing. I don't want to. Let's go. So he goes out. Peter goes out. I don't know if he feels guilty because he got a free sermon. I, I don't know. But he goes out there. He throws out the nets. And he must at first think the net is snagged on something on the bottom or something because he can't even pull it up. And, you know, Peter's a fisherman. He's a big, burly man. He's used to grabbing those nets and reeling them in. And he can't budge it. 
And so he calls over James and John to get over here. And they're all pulling and tugging on this net. And it is just full of fish. Both boats are just swamped in fish. They can barely get back to the shore. When they get back to the shore, they can barely get the boats out of the water because they got to just manhandle them up onto the beach because they're so heavy and so full of fish. And Jesus looks at him and says, Come, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. What would you say if you were Peter and Andrew? Nah, I'm good. You go do what you got to do. I got to clean fish, man. Look at all these fish. This takes work. And I imagine his father's going, follow him. This did you see what he just did? This is amazing. He knows fishing business better than we do. Go follow him. Figure it out. We're good. We get fish. Keep us good for a while. Follow him. Right? They followed Jesus because of what they saw. Right? They saw what Jesus could do for them. And Jesus says, listen, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to take all that mundane stuff between your birth and your death. All that stuff that you care about. That let's be brutally honest. Most everybody else doesn't care about it as much as you do. Right? Your marriage, super important to you. You want your marriage to do well. You want it to go well. You want it to thrive. And chances are none of your friends care about your marriage as much as you do. But one day your marriage ends because one of you dies. Your children are precious. They come from God. It's a great gift. We love them to death. Most of us would do anything for our children. And chances are nobody else loves your children as much as you do. And one day that relationship ends because one of you dies. And Jesus says, all that stuff that you have in here, your job, your finances, your house, your 401k, the kids, all that stuff that is temporal, as precious as it may be, It's temporal. Jesus says, I can take all that stuff and I can make it have meaning. I can make that work. See, we talked about that in our last series, right? God will take, make all things work together for good. God doesn't cause all things to happen. God doesn't cause bad things to happen. But He can take all things and make them work together for good. And Jesus is saying, listen, I can take all those things and I can turn you into a fisherman that's going to put you in the right spot with somebody else's life so that it intersects and you can fish for them. 
Because we see that happen to these four guys. They begin to talk to people, and they reach different kinds of people. They have different personalities, different experiences, and they reach different kinds of people. Some of them go talk to the Gentiles. Some of them stay and talk to the Jews. They reach different kinds of people. Because what had happened to them intersected with somebody else. And it made sense in that person's life at that time. Okay? Think about the things in your life that are temporal that you care about. That stamp collection. That you've worked so hard on. Does anybody still collect stamps? I don't even know. Nobody mails anything anymore. How do you collect stamps? I, I don't know. Maybe stamps got more valuable. I don't know. Or that coin collection you have. Or the, that art collection you have. Or that 1955 Chevy hot rod pickup truck that you have. Love that thing. All those things can be used to intersect with somebody else's life. And you meet somebody like, oh, you collect stamps too? I thought I was the only one. And you are all of a sudden positioned in the right spot to be a fisher for somebody. All those things shape us and make it so we will be the perfect person to reach somebody. That's part of God's plan. Right? And we each think that somebody else is better positioned to fish. Right? It's easy for us to look at the pastor and say, Pastor, he's, he's much better at this than I am. Mean, he went to school for this. You know, they didn't teach me any of this stuff in math class. I didn't learn how to do this. Right? Pastor's looking at you guys going, it's easier for you guys to fish than it is me. Because when you're the pastor and you talk about God, everybody says, well, he's the pastor. He's supposed to talk about God. Right? That's what you expect from the pastor. Some of us that have had a life that we'll call the wrinkle-free life, right? Just seems like you've just had a good life. You were born into a wonderful Christian family and you grew up and you never got into gangs and drugs and whatever. And you just had this nice life. And you would think, I, I don't have a good way to fish. I don't have a story to tell anybody, Right? And the people that have the story that somehow their life went wrong and they ended up way down low and, and God helped them climb back out, they say, I don't have anything to tell anybody. If I tell anybody my story, they'll think I'm an idiot and a failure. Those people where God's protected them a whole life, they're better at fishing. See, we can all look at somebody else and say, they should do it. I don't want to do it. Right? I don't want to have to fish. Now, I want you to think about the person who kind of told you about Jesus. Maybe that happened as a child. It was a mom or a dad or some other relative. Maybe you learned about Jesus as a child, but somehow you got far away from it. And somebody cared about you and worked with you and brought you back. But I want you to think about that. When they came and talked to you, and they said, you know, I want to tell you about Jesus. And he came and he died for your sins. 
Did you go like, whoa? Really? I never heard that before. Tell me more. Chances are not, right? There might be a few. But chances are not. Most of us had heard of Jesus before. We knew the story. We knew what was going to happen. Why did all of the sudden it worked? Because somebody else's life experiences intersected with yours at the right moment, at the right time, and all of a sudden it clicked. That's why. That's why. See, you have been and will continue to be perfectly positioned to be the person God wants to use to be a fisher of people in someone else's life. I'll say that again. You have been and will continue to be perfectly positioned to be the person God wants to use to be a fisher of people in someone else's life. That's what God says. I will make you fishers of men. And if we aren't woke and in tune with that, you're going to miss it. Right? And... Sometimes when we think of fishing, you know, we, 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 we jump right to the top and we think of some great evangelist, Billy Graham, and he's preaching before stadiums full of people. Maybe not for you. Maybe just one at a time. Maybe it's just that contractor that was at your house yesterday. Or the workmate. Or the person you sat next to on the metro. or I, I don't know, Right? You don't have to be an evangelist and be up in front to do this. Jesus wants to make you a fisher of men. And if you're new to Christianity, it's not like we're unwilling or something, right? I mean, we like being Christians. We like following Jesus. And you may be sitting here thinking, Oh no, I I don't want to sign up for that. That sounds altogether scary. Listen, I want to tell you something. New fish are the absolute best at catching other fish. Absolutely. When we see a new family come to church, they start bringing other people with them. Because they know where the fish are. They were just there. So I want to encourage you, right? Everybody can bring somebody, right? Next week we're going to talk about why we have to fish. Because... You know, sometimes we kind of think, well, you know, it's a free country, freedom of worship. Everybody can believe what they want to believe. So why should I go tell somebody else, make them stop what they believe and believe what I believe? I don't, I don't even want to do that. So we're going to talk about why we have to do that. But I want to give you a little bit of homework. I don't often give you homework, but here's your homework for the week. I want you to walk up to ten people and say, Jesus loves you. No, man, that's not it. I'm not just... <laughs> you guys are all looking at me like, oh, no. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to write a note. Okay? I want you to write a note. I want you to write a note to the person who brought you to Jesus or brought you back to Jesus. Okay? Now, listen. 
The homework assignment is not to mail the note. You can if you want to. But you might not be able to. That person may be dead. That person, maybe you don't know where they are anymore. Maybe you can't mail it. But the homework is to write the note. Why did what that person have to say resonate so much? What was it about the message that they had for you that was so impactful that it changed the course of your life? Write that note. If you can deliver it, that's great. If that's too hard, the homework assignment is to write the note, okay? All right? I'm going to check next week. There's going to be like six people here next week. I ain't going to... All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the story we have when we learn about being fishers of people, Lord, fishers of men, the thing that you were going to make us be. We can't do it on our own. We can't get there by ourselves, Lord. But somehow you can make us into fishers of people. You can position us perfectly so that we can make an impact on somebody else's life. Lord, help us to repent and turn our gaze and our focus back to you so that we don't miss it. We don't want it to be like the meteor shower in the middle of the night and it goes by while we're asleep, Lord. May I ask all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.